Hello and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. A very happy Tilly's beating Philippines 8-0 to all of you who celebrate, which I assume if you're listening to this, that's you. Um, What a game. What a performance. What a result. We love to see it. The vibes are high. The vibes are good. Um, so this should be a really fun express post. We can't wait to crack into it. Before we do, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian-Wilkes, Sam Lewis, and Anna Harrington. So <laughs> Harrow's doing hand gestures as I list all of their names. But, um, friendos, we all circled highlighted this philippines game as the toughest of uh these olympic qualifiers and then the tilly said you know what feels like a beautiful day to score eight goals um so what the <laughs> what the hell happened basically how did we go from pre-game this is going to be our toughest test to one of the best performances in the tony gustafson era they heard us talking about, oh, could you, that 2 0 scoreline against Iran come back to bite you? Could the Philippines sit deep and then smash and grab it? And they probably just, I don't know, stuck a transcript up on the wall and took it personally. Like, they did not appreciate all the takes coming out from everywhere. That was, um, and it, that was incredible. Like, I think the challenge coming into this was we knew that once again they were going to have to have the ball, possess the ball. Um, not sit back and attack on the counter, which we know the Matildas are so ruthless at naturally. But they had something insane possession wise. I'll, I'll pull up the stat for you guys. It was high. It was something like 70, yep, yeah, 77% possession in this game. And they just pulled the strings and, to be honest, pulled the Philippines apart. It was quite extraordinary. Um, and I think the difference was the confidence they get from banging away that first goal 15 minutes in, the wonderful build up play. The long ball, Ellie Carpenter, Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, Mary Fowler with a finish that I think made look a lot easier than it was just with how gracefully she hits the ball. And then it, it the rampage just started, right? Like um, it's quite funny. I was with friend of the pod, Joey Lynch, at the, the Melbourne Victory men's game. We had it up on the screen while uh, watching uh, Bruno Fornaroli score Rabonas and shit like that. And we were like the – destruction happening on the, on the screens was quite something to behold. And, yeah, um, Sam, I, you, I'll throw it to you because you said it as much in um, our group chat, I guess, off air. This has to be one of the best. I know that the opposition isn't the same standard as a France or a Canada or a England or, you know, some of the best performances we've seen. But in terms of the situation of the game where there was something on the line, the Matildas had to possess the ball and they had to pick apart a team that, although they didn't probably play as well as we obviously didn't play as well as we thought we would, were going to clearly try and sit back and defend. The way they picked it apart and finished so ruthlessly and, you know, obviously Caitlin Ford's seven seven goal involvements is extraordinary. This had to be up there in terms of the the most professional and impressive performances of, of the, the TG era, right? Oh, yeah. That first half was, like, close to perfection, I think like it's comparable to some of the halves in the last sort of 18 months, you know, the, the, the first half against Brazil, first half against Canada. Like there've been some really, really good complete 45 minute performances from the Matildas under Tony, but this is probably the most ruthless that we've seen five goals in a single half of football. I don't think they've done that 
since maybe the Asian Cup when they they scored that record number of goals against Indonesia. But that was Indonesia, you know, like they barely have players who are paid. Like it's this is a very different kind of prospect. So to to do it the way that they did was just amazing. And like coming into, I think perhaps part of the the whiplash of it almost is that we did expect a bit more from the Philippines. Like we were coming in being like, this is gonna be the game. This is the competitive one. This is the the te- you know, Philippines finished fourth at the Asian Cup. They qualified for the World Cup. Like this is a this is a decent team. They're on the rise in Southeast Asia. So our maybe our expectations kind of helped um to 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 shape uh our perspective of this first half of football. Um, and maybe it's also because we just kind of in the two months since the World Cup almost kind of forgot how good this team is, you know, like they just looked like they were operating at a different level. And I think it's worth comparing the stats to the Iran game because, Harry, you mentioned uh, possession before. They had actually more possession against Iran. They had more corners. They had more shots. But the thing that was different, number one, they had twice as many shots on target in this game compared to Iran. And number two, every time they did have possession, they really looked like they were doing something with it. Whereas in the first game, in that first half against Iran, different set of players, I know, but they just didn't quite look like they knew what to do when they had the ball. So you can have the ball for as much as you want to, but if you can't do anything with it, it's kind of pointless. So this game was like, it was the it was the chalk and cheese compared to that first half against Iran because they were actually so deadly whenever they had the ball, whether it was possessing it and recycling it and finding different channels towards goal or whether it was in transition, which they did a couple of times and they scored a couple of times off that as well. It was the full repertoire of what the Matildas have been able to do over the last year or so under Tony. And it was, it was just extraordinary. Um, yeah. I, 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 I can't think of a better half of football that I've seen them play under, under this coach, to be honest. How good was Caitlin Ford, though? Like, we knew she was going to have an so impact. We knew, we knew that this game was all the big dogs are here. We're going to bring them all in. I think Ellie Carpenter was the only player left from the Iran game that started. Gee, she was good. Like, she just looked on from the opening minutes, like the little flick on to Fowler for the first goal. And we know that when she's playing well, she does those little flicks. She does the... I mean, the highlight had to be her third goal, right? Where she had she had no right to score that goal where she gets the ball on the byline and just gets past everyone and finishes at a really acute angle. Like for me, that just summed up a, a dominant day. And it was it was quite funny. I'm sure you guys um, do similar to me after a game. You chuck a few search terms in Twitter just to see how people are reacting. Patton Ford, Sam Kerr, Matilda. Blah, blah, blah. And there was some sort of conflict going on on the timeline about people who rate Caitlin Ford and people who rate Sam Kerr. I'm like, I'll take them both. Pocket no less us, friends. Why can't be to, both? I am happy to sit on the fence here. That they, they're equally important for Matilda in different ways, right? Like some of Kerr's finishing I thought was just exemplary last night. And um, I was talking about this with friend of the pod, Joey. It's just like, it's just underlined what the Matilda's missed out on with her not being at full fitness. And I know she's still not fully there yet now, but, some of her finishing, some of her movement, her link-up play was just extraordinary. Um, and I love that she scored that hat-trick in front of her home crowd, four, four goals in front of the Perth so far. Um, good luck to Tony if they try and rest her in the next game, which they may well try and do. Um, but, yeah, it, it was the Caitlin Ford show, wasn't it? Like three goals, four assists. She just completely bamboozled the Philippines' defence at every opportunity. I really felt sorry for Angie Beard and co., 
Um, they just didn't really seem to have the answers. Um, she's a phenomenal player. Um, and I, I did like as well that um, we saw the change with Fowler also spending that time out on the left again. You know, like she did in that first game where when she came on and she was really magical, the, the Man City connection we know um, yeah, that Tony has so cited. Good, yeah. but, but then doing that as well and, and putting forward, you know, sort of rekindling that partnership with Kerr in the centre, which was what was happening in all those friendlies before the World Cup, before Sam Kerr gets injured, and to see that, like, spark again and really deliver like we we know it can, like well, it had to be something like at least ten goal involvements between them, right? So it clearly it clearly worked. Um, yeah, it's it was just so exciting. I I think what I want to see is um, the Matildas. I don't know if this is the next evolution, guys. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Um, play this way against the big teams, um, like not yeah. just. And again, this is something you can tell. Joey and I were having great chats after the game last night. Um, this team has the ability to tear teams apart when they've got the ball. They don't need to just sit back and attack on the counter. Yeah, sometimes that works really well. But if they possess the ball and they have players pulling the strings like we saw last night, and I know that, you know, the Philippines clearly had a rough day out as well, but the amount of attacking talent and quality and you've got players like Kennedy and Claire Hunt able to ping balls from, you know, the centre of defence and, and create openings that way. Ellie Carpenter, I think, has just been back to the player we know she is over these two games. Like, there's no reason why they can't take it up to big teams while having the ball because there is the quality there. And I think that's a really, really scary proposition if they can play both ways and, and do it well. I'm happy that Claire Wheeler got rewarded with more minutes. I don't know if that was a, the, a reward or if that was just the game plan the whole time, but obviously um, that goal... Uh, now, whenever Claire Wheeler does something, I'm like, Sam! I'm like, <laughs> yes! I, don't, I cannot tell y'all how much I screamed in my empty house when I went that, that goal went oh, in. No, it I was just it. so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was quite funny because I was watching with um, my girlfriend and she kind of tuned into the, the Tillies during the World Cup and she was like, I've never seen this girl in my life. Who is she? And I'm like, it's Claire Wheeler. It's Claire. Wheeler. Anyway, so and now she'll know who Claire Wheeler is. Um, yeah, it was a great performance, and and like you guys, completely well, not completely surprised me, but very surprising. Um, I don't know if there's, I need to go back and, and I don't know if that's a nice thing to do to diagnose what was going on, like with the Philippines. Um, hard day out for Mark Torcaso as well, I suppose, and I hope that, um. Yeah, hopefully they can continue to be competitive because um, in, in terms of like the AFC and, and Australia having stronger opponents and just growth of football in the region, like that's always a good thing. Um, but, yeah, I d- don't have too much more to add. Uh, I saw some unhinged takes about Sam Kerr being not as good as Lena Hertig. Uh, I don't know if that was a troll or not. <laughs> like why take this moment <laughs> to say this? I ask you, has Sam uh, Kerr ever knocked out the US out of a World Cup by a bee's dick penalty? She has not, but Lena Hurtig has. But Lena Hurtig has. <laughs> I'm joking, in case that wasn't abundantly clear. I just wanted to bring up the Lena Hurtig penalty against the US. I think, yeah, it's it's cool to see, like you said, like Fowler like being utilised in this kind of, not well, new to the Matildas. And so it really did feel like, yeah, bang we're here 
we've got to win this game. And um, it was nice that it was so comprehensive because, as we know, sometimes the Tillies like to, you know, keep us on the edge of our seats a little bit. But this was, yeah, incredible. So good for them. Good for us. Woo! I do think it's worth talking about the Philippines a little bit because they did have a game plan. It's just that I don't think that they executed it well, number one. And number two, the Matildas just were able to answer that game plan within minutes, I think. Like the way that I sort of assessed what the Philippines were trying to do is that they weren't sitting back as deeply or as compact as what Iran did. They were actually trying to play the ball and they did have a couple of opportunities getting the ball over halfway trying to transition, using Serena Bolden. Um, They really packed out the midfield as well, which is something I think structurally Mark Tocasso perhaps noticed in terms of playing Mary Fowler wider. So we really only had two central midfielders in Katrina Goro and Kara Cooney-Cross. And for the first maybe 15 minutes, there were a couple of moments where the two of them did get quite overwhelmed in there and they got the ball taken from them and there was an opportunity for the Philippines to spring a counter. But then you run into Claire Hunt and Alana Kennedy, you know, and then there's also Mackenzie Arnold down there and goal is just hanging out, not really having to do anything either. So, you know, it's you can sort of see what they wanted to do. And I think a better team with a similar game plan is probably able to execute that more successfully than what the Philippines did. Like I'm thinking, for example, of a Japan and the way that Japan uh, played against Spain in the Women's World Cup. That was like they had very little possession, like 23% possession from what I can remember, but scored like four goals. Um, And all of them were in transition. All of them were because they sat deep, they defended, they packed out the midfield, they stopped Spain from playing, they grabbed the ball and then they ran. Um, and if we do find ourselves coming up against a Japan in the semifinals of this qualifying phase, I can imagine that a similar plan will be perhaps rolled out against us. Um, but hopefully what we saw last night is pretty good evidence that we're able to, um, respond to that structurally as well, because as I said before, we are able to be a possession team, but we're also able to be a counter-attacking team. And so coming up against a team like Japan, who can also do both, is going to be a very, very tasty and very nerve-wracking contest, I think. Just briefly on the Philippines one more time, Sam, because I, I think you outlined that really well. I do feel for them because I think this is a really, really costly result, not just in terms of pride, in terms of not topping the group, but in terms of we know that with this bizarre system for AFC Olympic qualifying... Um, that ends with those semifinals. It's the three teams that top the group and the best second place team. And mm. yeah, they got, I know they won 4 1, 4 1 against Taiwan, but shipping eight goals has yeah. just put a fair old dent in their goal difference. And when you have a look at um, the other group, I think, um, well, there's obviously the chaos of the North Korea, South Korea, China, Thailand game. Um, we just don't know what's going to happen there. Apparently, the North Korea, South Korea game got suspended. So we shall see. Um, but in the other group, at least, um, you've got Vietnam who are picking up some pretty handy results. And if they can do do well throughout their group, they may hit the Philippines to the post there in terms of best second place playoffs. So the manner of the loss, and, you know, it's hard to stop a, a performance like what the Matildas put on when, you know, they're on fire. But shipping so many goals really, really hurts. Um because it's yeah, it could cost them that shot, and I'm not saying they necessarily would have gone on to win it, but you know, if you give yourself that chance, you have home and away legs, you can, you can do a bit with it. So it's, it is pretty costly, um, guys. 
Can we talk about Mary Fowler? She, she's so good. Like, I know we talked a little bit last pod about um, the trend, the move for her out to the left, but she just is playing beyond her years at the moment. Like, we know we talk about how mature she is, how classy she is, how talented she is, but um, putting her in this role on the left, it it really is seeming to get the best out of her. Her finishing, her touch, it feels like she's doing the defensive work quite well now as well, but just the way she moves in tight spaces and I know that against certain teams you would have someone just try and run through her and the Philippines didn't really do that, but she just dances around players. It just felt like for me when she was going for that first, you know, getting involved for that first goal, just utmost confidence. And every time she was involved in the play afterwards, she just oozed confidence and class, time on the ball, space. She's still really like 20. Uh, just in, in the most clutch game, I think, of the – of this all. I know Ford really stole the show and was clearly the best player on the pitch, but Fowler across these two games has just looked outstanding, right? Yeah, she's unbelievable. I mean, this is what happens when you give a player like that regular game time at club level, you know? Like, it's it's no surprise to me that she has hit this kind of form thanks to being played more regularly in Manchester City um, and having that positioning transferred into the Matildas as well because she knows exactly where she needs to be on the field and she knows the kinds of players that she's linking up with now and she has the confidence I think that's the other thing like she's a confidence player um and it's yeah like to see how easily she has sort of skated from that amazing World Cup where she was one of I think three sort of breakout stars for the Matildas alongside Claire Hunt and Kyra Cooney-Cross to then take that so so smoothly into club level and then to come back and be doing what she's doing is just is just so special. Like every time I watch her play now, I'm just like, I just want to stop and watch you. Like I don't even want to think in my brain about what's happening. I just want to experience you like I, I experience a piece of art, just kind of stand there and immerse myself in it and just feel the feelings and then I can think about it all later. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, she's amazing. I do, I do think that after the substitutions were made um, around the the 60 minute mark. She did fade a little bit, Mm -hmm. but that's perhaps not her fault. I think that's more to do with the players who are around her and not really being able to facilitate what she's good at. Um, Like after those subs happened, it really was only Caitlin Ford who was kind of hustling and and, and trying to to create things going forward. Um, But you had kind of similar problems with like, well, Courtney Vine, number one, coming on and then coming off again because she got injured. So that was one attacking weapon down. Um, Amy Sayer was being played a bit too kind of in a strange kind of too deep role. Like I didn't really know, like Ford sort of came into the middle and was trying to do things. But like what what role did Amy Sayer play in that? Then Alex Chidiak came on. Then Emily Van Egmont was kind of floating around. It's kind of like, well, what, what are you all doing? So kind of similar <laughs> vibes, I think, to, to the Iran game in that sense where we were like, how do all these players fit together? I don't think they've figured that out yet. Um, and, and yeah, Fowler was kind of part of the, the collateral damage, I think of that, um, that substitution window. And she combined so well with Sam Kerr as well. They just seem to have, yeah, this... exactly. I know that the, the Ford and Kerr, um, relationship there is, is next level in terms of the way they, that connection in terms of the way they play off each other, but geez, um, Fowler and Kerr is becoming something really, really special. Um, and I agree, Sam, it was all a bit chaotic at the end. Like I think. Uh, it could have easily been nine or ten. I think Emily Van Egmond probably should have scored near the end, but chose to lay it off. I think I wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt. She's trying to get Sayer a goal. 
Um, because normally you'd watch Emily Van Egg one just put her foot through that and it would go into the back of the net. So I was like, give me the benefit of the doubt. I was like, I think she's trying to get the kid their first goal. <laughs> but we'll, yeah, maybe Jury's out there. But yeah, it, it was all a bit sort of disconnected again. I'll, I'll be really interested to see um, how the squad's changed for the third game, like how many changes come in. But Sam, first of all, I would like to hear your dramatic retelling of the Claire Wheeler goal because Angela touched on it, but it was a fucking banger. Like it deserves a dramatic retelling from the biggest nuff on the pod. Uh, I'll, see, I'll right. set up, I'll set the stage for you. Okay. So Claire do. Wheeler, Claire Wheeler um, didn't play a minute at the world cup. We were very upset about this in this pod. She gets her first chance, starts the game against Iran is clearly, I think Ellie Carpenter got the official player of the match, but Claire Wheeler was clearly the shining light of that game, had more touches than any Matilda I think has had on the ball in Yonks. So impressive. But then in this game, because all the big dogs are back, Claire Wheeler is back on the bench. But then, Sam, Claire Wheeler comes on in the second half, in this substitution window you've mentioned. And then she comes on. And of all the subs that are made, she's probably the the one who kind of, you know, does things. You know, she's she's moving really well. She's Every touch that she takes tends to be the right one. She, she's controlling the tempo of the game. She's passing to and fro, doing some good things, moving a little bit further upfield, which is good because that's how we know Claire Wheeler likes to play. So around the, what is it, the, the 70th minute, 75th minute, uh, Ellie Carpenter has the ball. And Ellie Carpenter sprints down the right-hand side of the field, as we know Ellie Carpenter loves to do. But instead of crossing, instead of crossing, she cuts backwards because she's being uh, hustled by a, a wide Filipino defender. She cuts back. She does a little step over. She cuts back. She sees Caitlin Ford coming towards her. She's like, oh, that's a good little pass I can run in there. So Ellie Carpenter's drawn the defender out wide. She clips inside for Caitlin Ford, who's there with her back to goal, and Ellie Carpenter makes that charging run into the box, thinking she's going to get the return pass from Caitlin Ford, just a nice little reverse pass into that little space there. So Ellie Carpenter's charging towards goal. What does Caitlin Ford do? She doesn't pass the ball back to Ellie Carpenter. She looks up and she sees Claire Wheeler storming towards her in a perfect beeline for the back of the net. She's like, oh, Claire Wheeler, she's got some momentum here. What I think I'll do is I'll lay it off to Claire Wheeler. Claire Wheeler, all she needs to do is take a single touch, a single beautiful, perfectly cushioned touch, and then she sets herself up for what could be an absolutely miraculous goal. <laughs> and what does she do? It's like time slows down. We see Claire Wheeler take that touch. She takes just one touch. That's all she needs. She sets herself up, and then the camera is positioned so perfectly behind her that she just puts her foot through the ball and lasers it into the far bottom corner of the net it is so good and she and I am just like and this is so my thought process is kind of like oh Ellie Carpenter's got the oh she's gonna let her oh there's Claire Wheeler oh my god and then she sort of throws her arms in the air and all the players come around her and just just like a whole sort of moment and I was so I was like I was so excited that I forgot to blog for like a good like probably minute or two which was my entire job during that game um it was it was so good it was exactly what she deserved I think over the last two games um and it's what she's deserved over her last couple of stints for the Matildas as well like she's always been good when she comes on and it's really great to see that Tony has given her permission to go a little bit further forward and to really trust herself in these moments because as we see she's able to capitalize on them when they come so number one credit to Caitlin Ford for not giving the reverse pass back to Ellie Carpenter but instead seeing Claire Wheeler coming storming through 
And credit to Claire Bloody Wheeler, friend of the pod, Claire Bloody Wheeler, for putting her foot through it and getting her debut goal for the Matildas. It was so good. I wish we'd done a segment at the start of this, which was How Goods, because that is a million percent my How Good. Yeah, but I think this like Mills and Lewis little story that we had there was much better. Mills and Lewis! <laughs> I think that's going to be a, a YouTube clip, just story time with Sam. <laughs> put some gentle music in the background, play it for your kids before you put them to bed. It's going to be great. Um, she, you just sounded so happy, Sam. It's, it's really just what did. we all wanted to say. And it's, it's what she, it's what she deserves. It, it is, is what she deserves. And I want to see her play more. Like Off the back yep. of that, it, it's proven. Yep. I, I don't want to say it made me annoyed that she didn't, again, that she didn't get a minute at the World Cup. But she wouldn't be the first player to go to a World Cup. I, I think Masalongo, 2014, um, doesn't play a minute. He didn't play a minute at either of those World Cups, 14 or 18. Then was the Asian Cup Player of the Year the next year. Like, just as one Socceroos example, Claire Wheeler wouldn't be the first player to not get a minute at a World Cup and then just get spurred on and go next level. Um, and I love that. And hopefully she can deliver you some more moments like that, Sam, because she was fantastic. And I, I love that she came on and got that sort of half hour and, yeah, it was, was really good, just slotted in um, and slotted into midfield. Now, I'd, I'd really like to see her play more with a, a Cooney Cross, for example. I think they need to test out a few different combinations because, God forbid, like, touch wood, nothing happens to Katrina Gorio or Kyra Cooney Cross, but just need to see some chemistry between these things. I think Claire Wheeler is the obvious player to come in. Sad note, Courtney Vine, hamstring, we're not going to see her in that last game, clearly. Hopefully not too bad. We did not love to see her. It's never good when a substitute gets substituted. So hopefully, as Haro said, there's nothing too major there. Um, my thought process with Claire Wheeler really is that she's now shown, well, we've, all, we've always known she's at the level. That's why she keeps getting picked in squads. Now she's shown it on the park because she's been given the opportunity on the park. So in my mind, I agree with you, Haro, like for this third game, I want to see a midfield of, Claire Wheeler, Kyra Cooney Cross, because let's be real, that's the potential Matilda's midfield for the next five, eight, ten, God willing, years. Um, that's it. That's what it is. And obviously, we all just watched the World Cup. We know that Cooney Cross and Gorry were run absolutely ragged. Having an option to put in the midfield who does the dirty work who runs and who can also get forward, having that as an option off the bench or some level of rotation in that midfield, making that midfield duo a trio, maybe not necessarily on the park, but just as an option, that's the good shit. That's what the people want. Um, So in my mind already, these Olympic qualifiers have done their job in a way of kind of revealing that, yes, the depth is here and the depth is up to the level as long as it keeps you know, getting opportunities. So I hope to see more of that. I still want to see more of Amy Sayer because I really liked really liked the first game. I didn't think she was awful in the second game. I think you were right, Sam, about how the the starting lineup for this Philippines game was just so tier one peak Matildas. And I think it also just helps that we've watched seven games of them basically doing that, doing incredibly, all of that stuff. I saw people on Twitter talking about how, like, you know, they saw that graphic come up with the lineup, and it was like, this is it. This is the Matildas. This is the Matildas starting 11. This this is it. Um, 
and obviously they played like that as well. So I really want to see more of an Amy Sayer and how she can potentially work into that with maybe a Kerr in front of her or, you know, yeah, I think the Kerr, a Kerr Sayer. I really want I to see Kerr, that. Kerr Sayer in the closing stages of the Iran game, I really liked as a combination. I think that's one thing that Sammy is really good at is combining with pretty much anyone. We talked before about that relationship she's built with Mary Fowler. Obviously there's a long-standing one with Ford. And she plays in a system at Chelsea where she adapts to the strengths of the forwards around her, which is one of her great strengths and is very underrated, I think, um, the way she makes other players around her better. And I'd like to see that with a sayer. One thing I would maybe like to see is Ellie Carpenter rested. Um, I think when we talk about depth, that's one thing. First of all, I think she was back to her best across these two games. We didn't see that maybe at the World Cup, still coming off the ACL, still building confidence, but... She clearly just got once again where she was more pinned back at the World Cup, the license to roam, and I think that was just what she needed in these games. And she was just like unstoppable. And it was more Catley playing that that conservative role, I guess, because she wasn't doing the link up with Ford down the left, just letting Fowler do her thing further up. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see Carpenter get a bit of a rest. Probably Charlie Grant comes in there right and um, goes on some dangerous runs, creates something, or you know. I don't know if they'll rest Carpenter completely, but she's played 180 minutes across the the two games, if I remember correctly. So she's probably due. Um, and I would just like to see our, our fullback depth get a crack there. Um, but what do you guys think? Do you think they'll go full full flip it? Like the way Tony was talking, it sounds like they'll keep some of at least some of the big dogs in there. I guess you you want to keep a level of stability, but probably don't need to go same eleven, for example. Uh, lineup that I would like to see. Uh, I think I would like a nice, solid, sturdy defense. But like, as you say, Harrow, Ellie Carpenter, I feel like Ellie Carpenter doesn't want to come off. But, you know, um, in terms of... I get that feeling. Get, like player management, it makes sense. Um, especially like how... Like she runs all the time, but she, she must have run a lot these past two games. She's She just never stops. It's incredible. Anyway, but um, yeah, I'd like to see like, yeah, Charlie Grant maybe come in for Ellie Carpenter. Um, but then keep, you know, Hunt, Kennedy, Catley. Um, it's very comforting to me. And then, yeah, I think there's a bit of license to play with the midfield. So um, just to echo Marissa, but Kyra Cooney, Cross and Claire Wheeler, that's a combination I think would be really interesting to see. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I feel like st- starting Kerr is always good. Ford, just, I hope, yeah, uh, Fowler. And then maybe I will like it fine. We can't bring in fine, but I don't know. There's like, it seems like there's lots of room to play, but I don't, if, if it's a full flip, I'll lose my mind. I don't want that. Um, but I think, yeah, there is an opportunity here to kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Do the, do the best of both worlds from the past two games. Um, so that's what I would like to see. Sam. Yeah, agreed. Like I like the say? idea of, yeah, combining those two teams <clears throat> and, like, using using this third game as a reward for the the players who have taken their opportunities. You know, a Claire Wheeler is a great example. I think an Amy Sayer is also a great example. I really want to see how they fit into the starting team that we saw against the Philippines because I think that they are really special players and with the right um, system around them and the right players around them, I think they can go to another level. 
Um, and they've, you know, they when they came on against the Philippines, they were kind of the only two who were really hustling. They were trying to trying to create things. And you know, Claire scored the goal. Amy Sayer could have had a goal as well. There was kind of a wild flailing header that she had go over the crossbar. Um, yeah, it would be great to see how they fit. And especially as you said, Harrow, like this is the next gen, right? Like these are the players who we expect to take the the reins from some of the senior squad members. You want to start to to see how they click with things now, um, especially because we've got, you know, one eye on the Olympics next year. Yes, absolutely. But we also got another eye on the next World Cup. So if you want to be giving players like these, uh, you know, some serious minutes at this level against these kinds of opponents as well, because we're going to have to go through Asia a couple different times. We're going to have to come up against players and, and teams who sit in like this and have this style and have this system a couple different times. So the sooner we're able to, to bed those players in, the better, I reckon. The other thing I do want to see, um, provided they're fit and firing and good to go, to be honest, is Claire Hunt and Alana Candy play again together because they've still only got about 10 caps together so they are don't play like it though hey so good no it's incredible but just to give them more time together as a center back pairing and um I love the the Kennedy long ball for that we know she's always know she's been capable of that for the opening goal was extraordinary that the diag um and Claire Hunt can pull them off as well she's been doing it for PSG and she's playing for PSG which is great too both of them are playing at club level and I think it showed they just looked so um nonplussed unfazed not a clangering in them the one thing I will be interested to see, and this is, again, something I talked about with Joey, is do we see Lydia Williams for the third game? Uh, Perth is her hometown, like clearly is at the tail end of her Matilda's career. Will it be Mackenzie Arnold again? I, I don't think it would be Tegan Mark. She played the first game, but I'll be interested to see if they roll out lids just to give all three keepers a run. Um, I don't know if they will, but um, I can easily see a reason to, right? I reckon... Absolutely. It would be nice to see Lids. Um, just on the point you made as well about Kennedy playing and we can see it and Hunt playing and we can see it. Literally every player in that starting 11 is a first team player at club level and it's really bloody showing. And it's really interesting considering the conversations we were having pre-World Cup about like, why isn't Gareth Taylor playing and Alana Kennedy? Obviously she had the injuries, but like, you know, a Mary Fowler, a Hayley Razo, like why aren't these players playing? And now all of them are, and we're getting the benefits of it. So love that for us. Um, so up you, Gareth, <laughs> or something. That, that's what I'm until hearing. You did, until you did what we wanted and played Mary Fowler and then actually <laughs> played her in a position that benefits us. Yeah. More. Thanks for listening, Gareth. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can only assume it's, it's, it's us. It's us. It's us. It's always us. It's always us. Do we have any final takes from this Philippines game? I think the other thing uh, that was worth celebrating is the crowd. Oh, yeah. A, a, yes, a historic crowd, an amazing turnout of fans to, to Perth Stadium. Uh, I think it was a record crowd for uh, a football event. At that stadium, it was bigger than the the A-League men's grand final from whenever it was. I don't really care. But it was also a record crowd for uh, a women's sport event, not just football, but an event in women's sport. Uh, almost 60,000 people. And, um, and you could really feel it as well, I think. Like, I wasn't there, but you could hear it through the mics. You could see it on the telly. Every time the Matildas got the ball and went forward, you could feel the wave of people getting into it, getting really excited. Um, yeah, what a moment! What a what a game to be able to put on for for that crowd as well. 
Like it, it was just such a perfect day. I'm so envious of everyone who was there. And Sam, you missed this actually in your Claire Wheeler nuff rap, but wasn't a real highlight. The little boys in the stands when she scored the goal within the shirts off and yes, her, <laughs> it, like going up full on with the celebration. Oh my god, yes, bless them. It was so funny. I was like, Perth has. I mean, same. That's what I was doing. Like, it, like <laughs> blogging is a is a is a text based medium, but I That's also why it took had you my two shirt minutes off. to get back to your thing. You're like helicoptering oh, it around. <laughs> But also 60,000, um, 60 odd thousand there. It's just nice to see them welcome back one of their WA's favourite daughters in style, right? I am, of course, talking about friend of the pod, Anno Dong. Hey, shout out, Anne. <laughs> That's how we make sure she's still listening. <laughs> she better be still listening. I really, I was, I really thought that was a tee up for a Sam Kerr joke, obviously, because then I was going to lead with um, petition to rename the city Kerth. I want it. I don't care. I don't care if it's bad. The city of Kerth, that's what we want. Um, but, yeah, 59,155 people enjoying a glorious Sunday afternoon in Perth watching the Tillies banging eight goals. Sounds like my idea of paradise, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, so, And also just, like, real good to see Perth actually get these games and, like, repay that faith by turning out mm. um, and a really good just kind of endorsement for once again making sure that the Tillies go around the country because the country wants to see the Tillies whenever they can. So good times, great classic hits all round. Um, we move on to the third and final game of this stage of Olympic qualifiers. Wednesday the 1st of November at 10pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time, Australia take on Taiwan. So obviously we will have an episode after that one. We can probably talk a little bit about where we're at, what the other groups maybe look like and what the next phase of qualification for the Olympics looks like. But all in all, feeling pretty good. Everything feels pretty good. Up the tillies. That's us done, I think. So thank you for tuning in. As always, we're on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app as we usually are. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you leave a review and subscribe if you like what we're doing. If you want to have a chat, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go Tillies and Slayers. Oh, 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 oh.